How do we live in a lost world? How do we live in a world that is opposed to Christ, that is opposed to truth, that is opposed really to us? How do we live in a world traveling swiftly and resolutely in the opposite direction that we are as followers of Jesus Christ? How do we live in a lost world? Now, today, there are several answers. There are some that say, well, it really doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, there, was some, there are some that would say, well, just do the best you can. We, we still have to live here. We still have to live with these folks. Uh, there's others that would say, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's a tough thing to figure out. It's sometimes confusing. Well, I want to tell you tonight, the good news is God clearly instructs us in the matter. Now, so far, we've seen several times already, uh, he has told us how we live matters. As followers of Jesus Christ, how we live actually matters. We are to be different uh, from the world that we live in. We're to be noticeably different. We are to be holy. That's the word the Bible uses. We're to be set aside, even weird, in the world that we exist in. He's told us how we live matters. Well, Tonight, in his wisdom and in his grace, he not only tells us how we live matters, he also tells us how to live. Now, we've seen this already in a couple places. We're going to see that again tonight. In his grace, in his kindness to us, he instructs us in how to live. Tonight, our message is entitled, Holy Living in a Hostile World. Holy Living in a Hostile World. Tonight we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, moving right along, verses 11 through 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, tonight verses 11 through 17. Holy living in a hostile world. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 11, it says this. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for you tonight. We're thankful for this opportunity tonight. We're thankful for your grace and your kindness shown to us, all the good things you've given to us, the rain the last couple of days. Lord, your, your hand of kindness shown to us in that way. Lord, we come tonight, and we know it is a privilege to assemble as your people. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight, that you would speak uh, through your word, that you would lead us, that you would direct us. I pray that we would be shaped tonight, instructed, encouraged tonight, 
stirred up tonight. And Lord, I pray the fruit of this is that you would be known, that you would be glorified, and that you'd be pleased. Lord, we give all this to you. We trust it to you. We ask that you move. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we're going to go very quickly back to our verses. And so we're going to jump in tonight right here in verse 11. Verse 11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. The verse starts off, and it's important to see, with the word beloved, beloved. It is referring to the beloved of God. It's not so much a greeting of Peter uh, in the letter, but really it is, it is a title from God to the people that Peter is addressing. These are the beloved of God. Now, here's the deal. God's giving instruction is an act of grace and an act of kindness. And it is rooted in his love for us. And so understand, when we have instruction from God, when he gives us his, his word, his commands through his word, it is an act of kindness. It is an act of grace shown to us, and that is because of his love. Just like a parent, if you were to find a parent and they were neglecting to teach their child, to instruct their child, uh, for whatever reason, they were neglecting to correct and discipline their child, then they are honestly failing to love their child properly. And we might say, well, they're going to expect somebody else to do it, or well, that's, that's not what they want to do. Listen, if you're not doing those things, you're failing to love your children properly. Well, God loves us, and so God instructs us, and it is given to us as his beloved. And so that's a big thing. This isn't some crushing duty that he's going to hammer us with. It is in his love that we receive his instruction. Okay, beloved, I urge you. Now, the word urge here means strongly compel you. I urge you, I strongly compel you. It is with weightiness that he speaks. It's no light thing. It's not a suggestion. It is with weightiness. I compel you. As aliens and strangers. Now, in the original language, we've seen this word from the very start. It's the word sojourners. It means travelers. Uh, very specifically, here they are away from their land and living in this land. And so for those that are strangers in this land, here's what he compels them. This is what he instructs them. I urge you, I compel you to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. I urge you to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Now this is a very important verse. It's important for them. It was living in their culture. Listen, it's very important for us tonight living in our culture as well. Fleshly lust means carnal, earthly, base physical deeds. It is an animal appetite. That's really what it is at its core, an animal appetite. It is lusting for these things. It is to strongly desire these things. Now, Paul helps us out here 
he gives us a description of deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. And so we're to abstain from them here. Well, Paul helps us by understanding what they are. Galatians 5, 19 says, here, here's the list. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. And Paul says, and things like these. These are carnal things. These are things of the flesh. Now, Peter makes it clear here, these are not small things. Sometimes we say, well, that's not that big of a deal. He makes it clear these are not insignificant things. Now, you can pick one of them. Well, they cause a disruption every now and then. That's not a big deal. Well, they walk in jealousy every now and then. That's not a big deal. Well, they, they fall into drunkenness every now and then. Is that really that big of a deal? Peter makes it clear here, these are not insignificant things. These are things that war against your soul. The word war means to fight against. The most literal translation is to seek to overthrow, to fight against, to seek to overthrow. So get this, these things, listen to me, they cannot coincide in the life of a believer. They cannot coexist in the life of a believer. They actually war against our walks with Christ. They actually seek to overthrow our walks with Christ. Now, do you hear the seriousness of that? These things actually try to take over and overthrow, fighting against our walks with Christ. Now, Paul says in Galatians that we either walk with Christ in the spirit or we walk in sin in the flesh, and these are the symptoms of that. He says there in Galatians, it's either one or the other. It can't be both. Now, here's the thing. Our command is to abstain from them, to abstain from them. Now, this word means to stay away from, to separate from. Now, listen to this. Most literally, the Greek word for abstain, listen to this, it's very telling. Here's what it means. To abstain, this, this form of the word means this. What is gained by discarding something else? That's this word. What is gained by discarding something else? It means to do away with this thing, to be done with this thing, is to gain this other thing. Get this. Now, try to understand this. I don't know if I understand it. In life, we try to hold on to the things. We try to skirt around the things. We try to flirt with the things that are warring against our souls. When the truth is, if we just walk away from those things, if we just separate from those things, what we would gain is infinitely better. That's what the Word of God says. It's like the moth that goes to the flame. And it flutters by and it gets close and it flutters by and it gets close. And then it gets too close and it's singed and burned up. We get close to the things that are warring against our souls. The Bible says to separate 
from those things. Now I want you to think about this. How do you separate? Think about the definition of this word. How do you separate? If I pull out of my pocket, and I've got some money in my pocket, I never do, but if I did, and I had a bunch of tens and I had a bunch of ones, let me ask you this. How would I separate the tens and the ones? I'd put the tens over there, and I'd dig through, and I'd put the ones over there. If I had laundry to do, and, and we were going to separate the whites from the colors, how would we do that? We'd take the whites, and we'd pull them out and set them over there. We'd put the colors over there. They would get away from each other. They would separate from one another. That's what it says, separate. All right, verse 12, moving on. Keep your behavior. This is the command. How do we live in a lost world? Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. It says, keep your behavior. The word for behavior means manner of life. Very simply, your conduct. How do you live? What do you do? Your conduct. Keep your manner of life excellent. The word means rising out of, rising above, better than. Keep your manner of life, your behavior excellent, the Bible says, among the Gentiles. Now, that was the culture around them. That was the lost people around them. So keep your manner of life Keep your conduct, your behavior, behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing they slander you as evildoers. Now, it's interesting here. There were some that, would, that were saying, some historians, that Christians were actually being charged with breaking the laws of the culture. They were actually being brought up on charges for their strange worship. And so they adhere to the word of God. They try to practice the word of God. The culture says, well, these things are odd and strange. And they were actually bringing them up on charges. Now, I want to tell you, that sounds very close to the day that we are living in. People go by the Bible. They go by the word of God. And they're being hauled into court. They're being sued for saying this is what is right. This is what is true according to the word of God. Well, that evidently is going on in this day. Well, Peter says... Here's your remedy for that. Live in a way that they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, as they see your good deeds, glorify God in the day of visitation. All right, see this tonight. We are, they were, we are, to have excellent behavior marked by good deeds. Now, I want you to think about this, Now I want to be very practical in this tonight. As followers of Christ, those redeemed, putting their faith in Christ, we are to have excellent behavior marked by good deeds. Now, let me be practical. As believers, are you listening to me? As believers, listen to me. We are to be kind. We're to be kind. We're to be friendly. We're to be generous. We are to smile. We are to say, hello. We're to hold open doors as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to leave huge tips 
Some of you say, oh, no, I don't know about that. Listen, we're to leave huge tips. We're to grab a bag of groceries and help carry it in or help carrying it out whichever direction they are going. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to refuse to be provoked. Listen, I could get mad. There's a situation here that's tense. We're to be an appeasement to tense situations. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're to brag on people. I like your hair. Those are cool shoes. Good job. That must have been a lot of work. Good job. Eric, we're to tell jokes to folks. We're to rake leaves. We're to mow yards. Now your own. We're to send out cards with eyes for people that are, that are hurting, folks that are missing. We're to pray with people. You tell me somebody's sick. You tell me there's an issue. Hey, let us pray together. We're to give people rides. We're to, Maddie, make cookies for people. We are to smile. Did I already say that? We are to smile. You can smile. We can smile. And listen to me tonight. Radically, crazily, wildly so. Not when we feel good. You know what? That may never happen. Not when everything is perfect. You'll never do it. But extravagantly, crazily, wildly, we are to let the world see our excellent behavior. Because some folks have never seen it. And I want to tell you, our world is rough and our world is coarse. And I don't know, it's getting worse. We see it all the way from the little kids up to the, to the oldest adult. Our world's becoming foul. And our world needs to see the excellent behavior of a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Listen to this. As they observe them, this is what the verse says, talking about the good deeds, as they observe them, that they would glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, what in the world does that mean? Listen, the day of visitation is when Jesus comes. So the lost people, seeing the excellent behavior of, of the saved people, they would glorify God on the day of judgment, on the judgment day. Now, let me ask you this. How will lost people glorify God on the judgment day? And there's some that say other things. They're not right when they say them, but there's folks that say uh, it means something else. How, how are lost people going to glorify God on the day of judgment? Are they going to say, God, your people were sure nice. Praise you. No, listen, that's not it at all. The only way to glorify God on the judgment day, the day of visitation, is to have turned to God by faith, to have been saved. That's all that that can mean. How are they going to glorify God? Are they going to tip their hat to him on their way out to an eternal judgment? No, this is talking about having trusted God. So listen to me. People opposed to you, opposed to us, saw how you lived so graciously, and so they were willing to stop and to hear and then to receive the gospel of grace. Get this. Hear this tonight. Maybe you want to write this down. How do we live in a lost world? We live in a way that people get saved. We live in a way that people get saved. We live in a way that points to Jesus. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I was thinking about that statement. Jesus said that. He said that at the Sermon on the Mount. He was just starting off his ministry. And here's what I was thinking about. There was a young man there just called off of a fishing boat, young Peter, who actually heard Jesus say, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. He heard those words from Jesus himself. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. All right, moving on, verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, here's an interesting thing. How do we live in a lost world? How do we respond to the government in a lost world? There are folks who say, well, I'm not a citizen, a citizen here anyway. There are folks who say, you know what, it doesn't matter any, anyway. And so they throw off, they want to throw off the restraint of government. No, listen to me. We submit, here's what the verse says, even as to the Lord, to the institutions that rule over us. It means this, listen very carefully. As long as it's not sinful in action, we follow the rules and we follow the laws, we pay our taxes, and we operate under the authority of the government. Hey, I'd like to throw some of those off. Listen, that doesn't honor God. As followers of Christ, as long as it's not sinful in action, we operate under the authority of the government. Interesting thing here, it says that God establishes these governments. Now, it gives the purpose of government here. You want the basic purpose of government? It says, the punishment of evildoers and the praise of do-gooders. That's basically what it says. We're, we're to say, hey, that's good, that's acceptable, we like that in our culture. Hey, that's not acceptable, that's morally uh, not going to work, and we punish that behavior. The government is basically here to uphold law and order. That's what honors God. As believers, as long as it does not call for us to sin, we follow and we submit to the rules of government. I have a deep theological question. I never got an answer for it. I have a deep theological question, a, really a, a, a question that you have to search Scripture to get an answer, and that is this. I used to wonder, is it a sin to speed? That's what I used to wonder. Is it a sin to speed? And then I started thinking about the God of grace. Is it a sin to speed? And I came up with this. It's probably wrong. But surely God and the highway patrol will let you go nine miles an hour over. That sounds right, doesn't it? We're, we're not in the, in the age of the Old Testament. Surely God and the highway patrol will let you go nine miles over. Here's, I'll just be honest with you. At this stage of life, this is what's happened. There's nowhere I'm going that I care enough about getting there that I'm going to speed to get there 10 minutes earlier. I'm now the old guy that's driving looking out the window. Peter says, honor God by submitting to the government. Honor God by submitting to the government. Again, here's why. Verse 15, 
For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Again, here in verse 15, we live in a way that points to Jesus. We also live in a way that honors God. We want to live away in, a, in the midst of lost people in a way that points to Jesus in a way that honors God. Let me tell you something tonight. Be sure of this. People are watching. People are watching. Now, here's what I've noticed, and I've said it before. I'll stand by it. People are watching, but they're not watching to see if you succeed. One time I thought that. They're not watching to see if you pull it off. They're not watching to cheer you on. That's not why they're watching. They're watching to see if you fail. They're watching to, to, to see if you mess it up. And they're watching to see if you'll crash and burn. And listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be aware of that. We have to be wise in that. We have to keep our lifestyle, the manner of our living, in a way that is heaved up, is excellent among the Gentiles. We have to live in a way that honors God and points to Jesus. Verse 16, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil but use it as bond slaves of God. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Here's the deal. We're free in Christ. We know that. We're free in Christ. But the instruction is here is this, but do not use your freedom, it says, as a covering for evil. The word is as a cloak for evil, to hide or disguise evil. Now what that looks like is this. I go to church. I'm known as a believer. I go around and I carry a big old Bible everywhere I go. I pray at the Booster Club banquet every year. And yet I'm really no different. Not really. And I use that as a shield to cloak my worldliness. And I'm no different in the world I live in. I can tell you this. The worst thing that the lost world sees are hypocritical believers. And I believe that the worst thing the lost world sees are worldly believers. That shouldn't be a word. That shouldn't be a thing. But I want to tell you, that's the honest truth. The Bible says, instead, use our freedom as bond slaves of God. Now, I want you to understand the depth of that. We are to use our freedom as bond slaves of God. Be clear, we are voluntarily in the awe of God. That's what this whole thing is saying. In the awe of God, in the reverence of God, we are voluntarily submitted as slaves of God. That is the actual word, slaves of God. That means this, we serve him. We carry his name. We are about his work. We are on his mission and because we are in awe of him, because of our Savior, because of our great salvation, we are voluntarily submitting as slaves. A big problem is this. We live in a day when we want the rewards of Christ without having to submit to Christ. And isn't that the honest truth? We see it all around us. We, we want the rewards of Christ. We've read them without having to actually submit to Christ. Now, I want you to be sure we're not saved by works. 
We're not saved by appearing as something, but I want to tell you tonight, when we are saved, Christ is our Savior. Therefore, Christ is our Lord, and He is our Master. We live for Him. We carry His name. We serve His gospel. The Bible says He lives in us. We even live as Him. Friends, tonight... The world needs to see believers happily submitted to Christ, trusting him, obeying him, honoring him. I'm going to say that again. That's a pretty big thing. Our world tonight needs to see believers happily submitted to Christ, trusting him, obeying him, honoring him. Here's what I'm afraid. They either see believers not submitted to Christ, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to live how I want to live, and I'm going to fudge in some of these areas, but that's because I want to. My fear is they either see believers not submitted to Christ, or they see believers foully submitted to Christ. We walk around, oh, my lands, my fun's all gone. And my fun's all been robbed away and I'm driving the speed limit now and I don't like it. It's, it's all just a bunch of rules now. And they see believers that are foully submitted to Christ. Listen to me tonight. Praise the Lord that we have a gracious Father who gives us rules because he loves us, who gives us guardrails because he wants to bless us, who says it is actually the best way to live and if you'll live according to what I say, your marriage will be better and your relationships will be better and your friendships will be better and your work life will be better and praise the Lord, it's actually the best way to live. And so we submit to him and we do it in happiness and the result is peace and joy. The world needs to see believers happily submitted to Christ. Last verse, how to live in a lost world, how to live excellently, excellently, how to honor God and point to Jesus. Last verse, verse 17. Here's what it says. We'll go piece by piece. Honor all people. Honor all people. The word for honor means value at a price. That's important. Value at a price. It means to esteem. It means to assign value to. You give value to them. Here's the truth. You, you don't have to say amen, but here's the truth. In life, we're going to face good people and weird people and hard people and nice people and foul people. And I'm going to be honest with you, people we do not like and people we cannot understand. And here's what the Bible says. For all of those people, we are to assign value to them. Notice there it says to all people. As we found in the last month in God's economy, when he says all, he means all. It's the same thing right here. It says to all people. As believers, we know all people people are made in the image of God. 
All means all. As believers, we know God loves all people. He says that in his word. As believers, we know that God sent his only begotten son for the redemption of all people at a great cost to himself. And so listen to me tonight. We value, we esteem, we give honor to all people. Then it says this, love the brotherhood, love the brotherhood. It's talking about Christian love for Christian people. We as Christians, we serve one another. We seek to bless one another. We don't back back. We're not gossiping about each other, trying to tear each other down. We actually care for one another. I said it the other night, a hard world is a whole lot harder when believers do not love one another. And that's one of God's mechanisms that we make it, that he gives us the church to check on us and to support us and to encourage us and to love us. We have to love one another as Christians. Next thing it says this, fear God, fear God. It means to revere God, to respect God. Both of those things are way too small. More than that, it actually means this, to stand in awe of God, to be awestruck at God. And so it's saying when you're living in the strange land, when you're living in the lost culture, you're going to have to be awestruck at God. That's going to have to shape everything about you. Listen, the way that we're awestruck at God is to know God. The way we know God's through his word. Last thing is this. <laughs> I think we have an election coming up. I can't, I couldn't time this. He did. Honor the king. Honor the king. It means give value, it's the same word honor, give value to the worldly king, to the worldly leader that we are under. That honors God, that's what it says, and it's done in obedience to God. You know what, we have a leader, we are to honor that leader in obedience to God to bring honor to God. Let me make this very practical. We just had a president that some folks loved, and they loved him, and there's some folks they hated him. They hated him. Right now, we have a president, and there's some folks that love him. They love him. And there's some folks that hate him, and they don't pull any punches. They hate him. And I watch the culture of both of those presidents. I watch what happens to both of those presidents right now, daily. There are jokes about our president. And there are jokes about his age. And there are jokes about his mental state and the blunders he makes. And it was the same way for the previous president. I want you to hear this and be sure tonight. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how do you live in a lost world? Here's what you do. You get your Bible. And you get down in prayer. And you seek God's wisdom, and the best you can, you vote to honor God. The best you can, you vote to honor God. But I want you to hear this as well. As believers, no matter who is the president, no matter who is the senator, no matter who is the congressman, no matter who the Supreme Court justice is, we pray for them. That's the instruction of God's word. We pray for them. We pray for them, and we do not dishonor them. Let me tell you why. We're about to be done. Let me tell you why. The reason is this. 
It's because our hope is not in a politician. Never was. Our hope is not in a Congress. Our hope is not in a court. Our hope is not in a chief justice. It never was. Our hope is not in a law being put in. Our hope is not in a law being taken out. It never was. Listen, our hope is the chief cornerstone, the stone which the builders rejected. That stone that we build everything upon, our hope is the chief cornerstone. Our hope, listen tonight, is the living hope, not a hope that dies, not a hope that fades. Our hope is the living hope. Our hope is the one in whom, listen, we will never be disappointed. His name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come and we praise you tonight that you instruct us. Lord, as we, as we go through this list, I pray Maybe it stung us a little bit. Maybe it's convicted us. Help us, Lord, to be shaped by it. Help us to have excellent behavior among the Gentiles. Help us to do extravagant things that point to a gracious Savior. Lord, help us to honor those that we, that we are under. Help us to submit because we're following you. And then I pray that in all of that, the eternal thing, the only thing, the hope of sinners, the hope of nations, that Jesus will be known, that Jesus will be received, and that Jesus will be glorified. And Lord, I pray that would be the fruit of all that. Help us live in the glory of Jesus. Help us live for the sake, the name of Jesus. Lord, we, we come as we begin to close this service. I pray that, that you continue to speak. I pray as we leave here that you continue to shape us. And I pray that you'd be pleased in the fruit of it. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody that's hearing this tonight, that doesn't know you. I pray, Lord, that the gospel's clearly presented, clearly understood. Any hindrance to that's removed. Any distraction removed. And I pray, Lord, for your name's sake, that salvation would ring out tonight. Lord, we just come and tell you, thank you. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your word, your truth. Help us to respond to the glory of our Savior, Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you all of that, all of those things, why I live different, why I be holy, why I be excellent among the Gentiles, it's this, because there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And God's grace is made known in him. His forgiveness is available through him. There is salvation and redemption in the person of Jesus. All of that is to say this, look to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Find Jesus. If you've never turned to Jesus, if you've never trusted him for your salvation, I want to tell you, it's offered to you this very moment. It's offered to you tonight. Trust Jesus as your Savior. He'll save you right now. He'll save you tonight. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle that. If you're here and, and you've made that decision but never fought in believer's baptism, this Sunday we've got a couple of baptisms. Uh, what a great joy. What a celebration. Pointing to what we believe of Jesus. If you've never fought in believer's baptism, you come as well. And we'll set a date. It'll be a great day of testimony celebrating our Savior Jesus. You're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Will you not? For his name's sake, we'll preach his gospel till he comes again. Maybe tonight on this Tuesday night, you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray there where you're seated. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. 
As we stand to sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here.